got a new shirt on. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but Joshua has definitely upped his uh, dress shirt game. Have you noticed the last couple of new shirts taking a few so I feel like I needed to up my game. Actually, that's not quite true. Uh, I didn't care at all. But Muriel clearly thought I needed to because she bought me a shirt for my birthday, which is so generous. And I, it is a great shirt. It's a great shirt. So y- you were right. I did need to up my game. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling the anointing of this shirt this morning. If, if this sermon bombs, clearly some one of you needs to buy me some new shoes. Okay? So I'm just going to keep until... Because it's not the shirt, clearly, and so until it must be something else. And so if you feel this sermon is bad, that is the Lord saying to you, you need to buy me clothes. That, that may or may not be in Scripture. No, I don't think it is. Um, hey, we are, we've been doing since the start of the year... Oh, yes, offering. Oh, yeah, the offering. You guys are busting to give. I know. I'm sorry. You guys are busting to give. Can we do, can we walk and chew gum at the same time? Can we just kind of fling it around? Man, I'm so not a very good Pentecostal pastor. I forgot to take up the offering. Thank you. Yeah, it's the shirt. It's the shirt. It's the shirt. So we might just pick that around. And God bless you for your generosity. God bless. God blesses us through your generosity in so many ways to his kingdom. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, great, we'll do that. Thanks. Thank you so much. Hey, we have been, uh, Josh mentioned before, we started at the beginning of the year an exo- a, a, um, a series, a teaching series that's going to sort of carry us through a couple of the books of the Bible on the way in which we see God works through people in, in exile. And the idea is that we're actually kind of like exiles. We're citizens not of this world, we're of the kingdom of heaven. So there's a sense in which we are living in exile. And so what's God... What is God's good news to exiles? Because that's us. We're pressing pause on that. We're going to come back actually really exciting in a couple of weeks after Easter with the book of Esther. Can't wait for that. Um, but we're doing this, uh, this series for the next few weeks called Preparing to Journey the Way of the Cross. Um, for centuries, God's people have felt like as we approach Easter, it's really important for us. It's the high point. It's the defining factor, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the defining thing of our faith. It's the distinctive of the Christian faith, the death and resurrection. It's so important, um, but so easy for us to just kind of, you know, here's Easter, tick the box, done, and roll on. So for centuries, Christians have felt it really important to prepare themselves in all sorts of ways. They've called the season Lent. And so we're coming at it, um, we're trying to come out with, a, with an ancient and really important rhythm of believers, but with a, um, I guess, a freshness. We're hoping, um, and one of the things that we've been doing, or one of the the key concepts we've been looking at, is the idea of laying things down and taking things up. And so, uh, in the next few weeks, that's going to be the, I guess, the theme, the thematic thread through our sermon series. But also, we've been looking at and, and connecting to the practice of believers in this season to give things up for Lent to lay things down, which creates space to then take things up. And last week, the Kempsters shared with us this beautiful picture of their family, of how they um, have put things aside, uh, like um, uh, fancy food, which was a particular thing for Daniel. Well, I, I felt your brother. I felt it. Um, but also TV as a family, so they had more space to pray. 
And that was just so great to hear. Actually, it started a great conversation in the Clark household. Micah actually came to me, Dad, and said, I know what I'm going to give up to Lent. I was sure he was going to say homework. Uh, but he actually said, I'm going to give up my, like, my iPod um, thingy, which was really great. And so far, he's very genuine. He's got, like, ten other screens, so let's not get too careful. But that's kind of our hope to say, we believe this is a really good practice. Come on in and join us. It, it, you know, we invite you to join us in this preparation. And again, we're, we're talking about preparing to journey the way of the cross. If the life of Jesus is the distinctive thing, that the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is the distinctive thing for us, then what have we got to lay down and what are we got to pick up? I'm actually going to invite uh, Josh and Chris. We're going to have another little bit of a snippet. Chris Granger, I love this man. Give him a big cheer. What a beautiful... No, you talk to him. Hello. That was a bit like that cup, ball under the cup thing. I think that should be it's on. Hey, uh, Chris, thanks for, for for doing this with us. So uh, you've you've tried this a few times, actually, haven't you? The the laying something down yes. uh, practice leading up to, to Easter. What have you What have you done in the um, past, or what are you currently doing? Currently, this year we've made a few dietary changes, so we've cut a lot of things out and really simplified the way that we're eating through the Lent period. So we did a quite an intense 10 days at the start just to get ourselves there, and now we're not as intense, but yeah, still yep. keeping it restricted. And you guys uh, do food really well, so I imagine that it would be, you know, you would you would notice the absence of... Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yep. Feel it. Yep. Do you feel like um, this is a tiny bit off off script? But I was just thinking some of the feedback. Do you, do you feel? Do you grapple with like it being a legalistic thing at all? Giving stuff up or no? Not at all. Not at all. I was thinking when when you came to me, the campsites did such a good job last week. It yeah. was actually quite a challenge when you asked me to talk this morning to think about what what I could add to that. But yeah, definitely not legalism or legalistic sort of side of things it's more an orientation of the heart Mm -hmm. like a recalibration yeah in a sense yeah and that's the hope i think for us as we do these things it's a way of bringing into focus what really matters we've used that language of laying some things down so that we can take other things up and i think about you know if you're going to climb a mountain a really serious mountain you might have quite a lot of gear that you get to a certain point but then you know to get to the top, you have to be so um, kind of considered in what you take. Um, and so I was thinking about it's a bit like ascending a mountain. It's a bit of a, it's a it's a time of trial, uh, but we are wanting to have that mountaintop experience uh, at Resurrection Sunday. What do you what do you take? Has it has it has it made some space in your life for you? Uh, in a way, to, to to lay something down? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think as I was reflecting on it this week, I had two things. One was that sense of reorientating yourself. So I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like it was just yesterday that we were welcoming in the new year and then suddenly I've blinked and it's nearly the end of March. And so often when I blink, it's actually Easter because it's such a good long weekend. You're happy to put your head down just bury yourself in things mm-hmm. and, and go. But I've found 
as simple as a dietary change is, it's actually created that space and brought a piece of simplicity to my weekly routine mm -hmm. um, through various ways and some ways that I wasn't even expecting necessarily, but I feel like God's really used it to help me create the space so that I'm not just bouncing around from responsibilities and obligations and commitments that you've got, but you've actually got time to um, reflect in the lead up because as Graham said before, it is such a pivotal point in the year for Christian faith and um, the other thing I was thinking about was how this ties into the exile that we've been talking about as we work through Daniel, mm -hmm. because I find, I just lost my train of thought as well, but <laughs> um, I've been reading a bit about the practices that make Christians Christians, like <laughs> physical practices, it's spiritual theology, and um, there's actually quite a lot of overlap between just moral people and what Christians do, and there's not actually a huge amount of things that make Christians Christians in terms of the practices we do. So it's such a privilege to have a point where I've made a decision and a commitment based entirely and purely on my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. It's not based on societal morals or it's not based on any other external influence. It's just my relationship with Charlie and with God Mm -hmm. before him and it's a it's a real privilege to have a little season in your year to dedicate that sort of example in your life and use that practicality yeah that is really good i think that bouncing around language i can really identify with because you can just bounce around in life but then to take some time where you're like i'm orientated in this direction and this there might be some discipline to it but this is the path that i'm going to walk for this season, um, I do think God uses that to give you perspective and to bring what's really important into focus mm -hmm. and maybe also to help you see some of the things that you spent so much of your time bouncing around doing aren't necessarily that essential yeah. um, to what you need to do in this life. And in some regards, you're denying yourself the fullness of grief and joy and celebration of the Easter weekend. It mm -hmm. actually is so deserving of preparation for it so I, I really like the phrase on the screen preparing to journey the way of the cross yeah. cool thanks good heaps chris you. good to hear from you thanks chris. that just man hearing you share those things just reminds me i've been learning and being inspired off your walk with jesus since you were a teenager mate really you know, the, the depth you have and the reflection and the way you've lived that uh, that's the, the great joy of being a community, isn't it? You just get to learn off other people's journey. And it just reminded me how much you've been inspiring me since you were a teenager with the authenticity and the depth of your faith, man. Really great. Really, that was so good. Really great. Hey, so um, I feel like I just like should – really, should I follow that? It's like <laughs> we should just pray and go home. But I'm a pastor. I get paid for this, so I'm not going to. No, we're going to have a crack at something and I'm going to do some editing as we go along because we've had lots of great things this morning. I want to honour time well. Um, but we are looking at this idea of what Jesus, the, the way of the cross. So the, what does it speak to us about what we should lay down? What is the way of the cross? What is the way of Jesus? And we see in the life of Jesus a number of things where he lays down something to take something up. And this morning I want to have a crack. It's something that I think really speaks to 
very much the human condition. So this is like an ancient truth, but it feels like it, it is such a thoroughly modern um, experience uh, and modern in terms of 21st, like right here, right now, 21st century Western life. So I'm going to talk about the idea of laying down a fence to take up grace. Laying down a fence to take up grace. Um, now, we just need to do a little bit of kind of definition of terms, particularly with the word grace, because it is, it's, it's one of the big ones in the Bible where it just means so much. It's such a big word that's got so many aspects to it. Um, and the challenge always is when something means so much, it can kind of mean nothing because it's, you know, when something means everything, it kind of means nothing at the same time. So you might be familiar, if we look at grace, this is quite a simple, uh, sim- simple, almost simplistic little thing to help uh, differentiate between justice, mercy and grace, which are kind of in the same family of ideas in Scripture sometimes. We get them confused. You might be really familiar with this. Justice, if we think of justice as getting what you deserve. So... Let's make it really, really simple. In a car, no one else will be able to relate to this hypothetical situation. In a car, driving down the road, speed limit 60, doing 70. Woo, 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 in the car. Policeman comes and justice would say, there you go, there's a ticket for you. Again, hypothetical, apparently that's what happens. Apparently. Justice would say, that's you've got what you deserve, there's a consequence. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So, in our little uh, example, driving down, doing, let's say, 63. Uh, Policeman comes across. Apparently, this can happen. Again, I've never experienced anything like this before, let me tell you. Excuse me, sir, are you aware you're doing 63? Yeah, sorry. Look, I'm going to let you off with a warning. So, mercy has been shown there. You do deserve justice. It's like there's some truths here that say you deserve this, but mercy kicks in and says you're not going to get what you deserve. Now, mercy is quite similar uh, and sometimes gets uh, sort of conflated with the idea of grace, but grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy, not getting what you do deserve. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. A little bit more challenging in this situation. Um, Driving down, doing 65, policeman comes and says... Um, have my car or something. I don't know. It sort of breaks down, doesn't it? But you get the idea. Grace is actually when you receive something that you don't deserve. Now, initially when I was thinking about this during the week and talking about the idea of particularly looking at Jesus, um, thinking, I, I was originally thinking about calling this laying down justice, uh, laying down justice to uh pick up grace because I've, I was particularly thinking of this very modern thing where we've got a hypersensitivity to justice when it pertains to us. So we've, And we live in a time, I think, when we're very, very aware of when someone has wronged us, there's a justice thing and we take offence at that. We are offended. Someone has done something, probably true, and then we react and we occupy this sense of offence um, and and um, justice, I think, again, I think if you've been around churches for a while, we often talk about the difference between justice and grace and sometimes oversimplify like even the difference between, say, the, the old covenant is about justice 
where it's like God's a bit angry there and so you always get what you deserve. But then the God of the New Testament plays a bit fast and loose with things and kind of says, ah, it doesn't matter. And so that's what grace is and that's what just... I didn't want to play into that idea because justice is really, really important. Justice is a big biblical term. It's really important. Justice. So if anything I say today makes you makes it sound like I'm saying justice is not important, you've misheard, I've misspoke or you've misheard and let's sort it out afterwards. Justice is really important. But there is this thing, and like I said, I reckon it's a bit of a modern... I reckon it's being human, but I particularly think, and particularly if you go online, if someone's done something wrong or if someone is living or believing or acting or has a f- values that we believe are wrong, then we are offended. And my goodness me, what, what a moral high ground when we are offended, when someone else is wrong, particularly on Facebook or Twitter. My goodness me, the, the words that and the, the energy that comes when someone is offended. And the challenge is that actually we, it, most often it's probably right. I want to introduce another little concept here. I've talked about this before, but this is important we're going to refer to. The difference between being something being true and something being right. So something's, when something's true, and, and again, it's a bit of a false dichotomy, so hang with me here. But when something's true, it's like something objectively, there's some facts that establish that something has happened. And largely, and I'm, I'm it, you know, these words are all connected sort of in a legal framework, Justice is about finding out what happened, what are the facts, but then also justice is also about what should we do, what's right to do. Given that this happens, what should we do? It feels like we miss, it's like a two-step part. It feels like we just um, often miss the discernment around what, what, would, what is right. We just go, if it's true and I'm offended, then I have a right to just react and whatever I do now is fair. Because that was true. The way of Jesus says, no, there's another step. To actually say what's right. So things can be objectively true. Justice doesn't get us necessarily to what's right. If you're a parent or a teacher or if you've ever tried to sort out a squabble between 10-year-olds, you'll recognise this dynamic where... Um, again, justice is important. You overhear a squabble going on. And you, know, and you bring, okay, what's happened? What's happened? Well, he took this or he did that and then she did this. And da, da, da. And there, the, the moment or the, the role of the adult in the room from a parenting heart is to find out what's going on. What is What are the facts here? And if appropriate and if possible, to bring some justice, but what's the real goal of the parent? To match up the relationship. You know that you've got to walk through those things and say, well, if that's true, you're going to need to give them back that or you need to say, sorry, you're going to have to, you know, spend your pocket money to buy them a new toy that you broke. You, you, you walk through the justice bit, but the heart of the parent, the heart of the, if you're relationally involved with those children there, what you really want, you want to get to that point, say, okay, is everything okay? Now, this, I'm not pointing to these two because now it's marriage counselling, which is also part of it. Okay, figure out what's, is everything okay? Right, get back to being in relationship. That's the thing because that's what breaks your heart as a parent. When you're a kid, I, I'm not sure if there's a bigger 
thing that tugs at the heart of a of a parent or someone when they see their kids that are fighting with each other? It's heartbreaking. Well, why is that the case? Well, that's just us being image bearers of God. So justice is important, but the, what the heart of God goes after is the restoration of relationship. Now, this is a challenge because actually we often feel like what has happened, what we've been offended, and there might be some truth in this, is that's never going to be fixed. And so therefore, I'm, I'm right to hold this as a big wall or as a big gap between that, that relationship will never be fixed. And, and in fact, it just seems like we're just really good at identifying all the differences and all the gulfs and all the walls and saying they just are going to stay there because I'm right. Because, no, because it's true. We do this with groups of people where we say, we objectively believe we have a set of values or beliefs or morals that say this is the right lifestyle, this is the right worldview, this is the right whatever. And they're different. And so we believe, the truth is, we believe that they're wrong. And there's almost like we're we're offended by that lifestyle. Insert whatever you want here, it's not hard. We're offended by that belief. We're offended by that, even though there might not be no relational connection, but we carry around the offence and we create a gap. The cross, the way of the cross says, no, that's not the way. That may be true, but there's another step and there's another way. It's the way of grace. It's radical. This is going to, this is going to be confront you because it confronts me every time I look at this. It is so confronting because it is so counter-cultural. It's so unnatural. It's absolutely natural and understandable to say that was wrong and I'm going to carry this offence, and if it can't, if justice can't come to bear, then it's natural and right for me to continue to carry this offence. Who knows how heavy those offences are? You just collect a few of those and you start walking through life like that. We're having a bit of a conversation during the week. This man here who I love, he's just about inoffendable. I've tried so many different ways. <laughs> He has been, again, talk about another guy who has just been an example of this in my life. Of it just, it, His life looks really good, doesn't it? He's just always full of joy. I absolutely am convinced he, because he's hacked this truth. To actually, I'm, I'm sure there's been many times where the, the truth of the matter is that someone has said something or done something. Don't, you don't need to say all the times so it's me. But he seems to find this way to access something else so that he doesn't carry it through life. And his his life, he's that in our midst, isn't he? This sort of joy. He's hacked this truth. He is just following the way of Jesus. Let me convince you. <clears throat> What's true, there's objective truths there, things that have happened, things that go on. People have different views. They have different worldviews. They have different lifestyles. They have, you know, we, we can be offended by that. They're true. But where do we go to for what is right? Do we go out of reaction? Do we go out of what seems natural? No, if we're believers and we're feeding, we're following the way of Jesus, we go to the life of Jesus. So let me give you three examples. And this is all in one week leading up to the way of the cross where Jesus radically models this. Three pictures I've got here. The first one, we're going to be really quick this because actually in a couple of weeks I'm preaching on this as well. I can't wait because I love Palm Sunday. 
So this is Palm, this is Palm Sunday. Jesus riding in on a donkey. Have a look at that picture. This is a, this is what's going on here very quickly. Um, so Jesus is returning. He's coming into Jerusalem and there's been this build up over the last sort of three years of Jesus public ministry. He's been dropping hints. People have been picking it up. People have been gathering around the idea saying, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. There'd been this echo and longing in the heart of the Jewish people for the, the Messiah to come. And the assumption was, and this is where we've got to understand, put ourselves in, in the, inside the mind of the first century Jew. The Messiah would come and would be a military leader that would free them from the oppression of these dirty Romans. And so when the Messiah was coming in, what they were enacting here was something that was very common in the day for when the king would come to be the liberator. And it looked like this. Here's a Roman picture. Now, have a look at that. Look at the horse. Here comes the king who's either returned from the battle or is about to come and liberate the city. Now, have a look at that and have a look at that. It's, I tell you what, it's subversive. You know, we're talking about subversive. It, like the way humor, like that is just actually, it's okay to laugh because that is like comical. Look at Jesus, his feet are almost on the ground or this little donkey. What is going on there? Because Jesus absolutely knew the expectation was the whole city's turned out because here comes the Messiah. Quick, he's, he's coming and this is going to mean those Romans who we are so offended by those Romans. How dare they think that they can rule God's people? here in Jerusalem, and the holy city. We, we need to get them out. We are so offended. Jesus had the opportunity to summon up and, and use all of that anger, all of that, what was true. That was true. They weren't followers. They weren't God's people. They were oppressing them. All of this was true. And they're saying, great, here comes the Messiah. But Jesus comes in and he actually is on this donkey because he's fulfilling something. Zechariah 9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout and triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble and riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's car. It's actually even a small donkey. Now, this is what he's fulfilling because this is saying the Messiah will come, but if you're listening, he's not going to be playing that game. He's not going to be taking the offense of people and rising up and bringing a rise. He's coming to do something else. Now, you might be quite maybe familiar with that uh, before, but it actually goes on to spell this out. Zechariah the prophet says, I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses of, from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle. Your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea. So it's saying, Zechariah is saying, I'm doing something completely different. It's not going to be a rising up. I'm not coming to get you to, you know, to justify all of your anger. We're going to have it. It's a completely different way. He's going to liberate you, absolutely, but in a completely different way. And to make it really clear, it's going to look really bizarre when he comes into the city. It's, you're going to, it's going to seem familiar. Here comes the king. He's going to come through the gates. And you could almost imagine, I kid you not, the, the, you know, this is borne out by historians. It's like the moment, because they wouldn't have seen him coming. They just would have heard. They're getting ready to get in. And around the corner comes that, and they just would have gone, what? Now, then there are those who get it, and, they, they, you know, he comes in and he's received as a king. But absolutely there was a sense of what's, 
Something's familiar, but something else is going on here. Jesus has put down that offence, the right to take up the offence, because he was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He had the right to take that up. But he says, no, I'm doing something else. And that was incredibly confronting. And still is. We're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Familiar with this? Can you recognise this scene? It's the night that Jesus was arrested. He's in the garden. He's with the disciples. Incredibly intimate moment when John talks about this. They're together. He's praying. Judas comes and betrays. Talk about the right to be offended. One of his closest friends who's lived with him has betrayed him and sold him for 30 pieces or sold his freedom for 30 pieces of silver. There was someone who took offence. We understand it was Peter who whips out a sword and just lashes out. And the the picture or the understanding of the context is because the authorities are there to arrest him. It's the Romans and the Pharisees. Now, talk about offence. It's actually his own people. The leaders of his own people are there to arrest him. Talk about being offended. A week before, they were hailing him as the, uh, hailing him as the king. And now the religious leaders have come to take him away. Well, Peter was offended. Jesus, This is Jesus to Judas. Listen to the grace in this. My friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. No offence there. Then he grabbed Jesus and arrested him. Then the others, that's the authorities. But one of the men we believe, it's commonly understood to be Peter, with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. You've, you've missed it. He's got every right to be offended, Peter, but you've missed what I'm doing here. Put away your sword. There's no fruit in that. If you live that way, you will die that way. Don't you realise that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen? I'm doing something else here, Peter. It's not going to be this way. I'm doing something else. Jesus is on the cross. It's played out. Pontius Pilate couldn't, he didn't get it. He couldn't, you read the, the, the interaction with Pontius Pilate and the Jewish people, and he, he went back to them twice and says, I, I can't find it actually an issue of justice here in Roman law. Now, I, do you want me to release him? Because he's your king. And, and again, Jesus' people say, no, 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 no. Release the uh, common thief instead, but you crucify him. Crucify him. Twice. Pontius Pilate says, look, there's really, I, I don't understand what's going on here. And so Jesus finds himself on the cross, with, crucified with common, with just like a common criminal. His disciples at this stage have scattered. There's no one there. He's alone. He's fully human. He is not some superman. He's feeling every emotion that you could imagine a human would feel in that moment. He is feeling, I can't imagine the sense of injustice and offence. He's there, but still he pushes through because there's this other way. 
when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He puts down the offence. That was true. That was real. And he looks for something that was more right. This is the way of the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. Did they deserve his forgiveness? No, but he extends grace. And in this moment, he defines the way of the cross. And this is what I'm asking us again to be impacted by. This is the way of Jesus. And this is not... I, I want to make the point even more clearly if I can, if you, if you permit me to even turn the, turn the volume up even more. This is not just a way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. I'd ask you to find a story, a time in Scripture where he picks up a fence and doesn't choose grace. This is the way. Last week we, last week we, we gathered together, and it was in the shadow of this incredible atrocity in New Zealand. And there was a whole lot of things that were true that were happening, and that's actually why it happened on Friday. And so sometimes these things in life, uh, as a as a pastor, things happen where you realise these things are so true and so real. It will be just ridiculous if we don't mention it, like we live in some other bubble. You know, if like we're coming outside of that world and into the... I, I, it's not good when we do that as believers. This is the same. We're living in the same world. And so we had a conversation about what should we do? What's right to do? So for me, there was nothing that was more true than 50 people in a, in a culture in a city that's very, very connected to us in a way that it feels like us. 50 men, women and children were were killed horrifically in an act of extreme violence and that there is now a whole families, city, a nation in mourning. This was what was the most truest thing to do. There's some other truths that are, that are not, that are truths. They were Muslim people. They were worshipping in a mosque. That's true. What's true is I'm not a Muslim. I, I don't agree that I don't believe that the way of Islam is, represents God. It's not a way to flourish. And these are all truths. None of those seemed particularly right last Sunday. None of those seemed more important. There are other times for those things. And so we came and what we did is whatever level of offence that I would have and have, whatever level of difference, whatever level of disagreement that would cause a separation, I absolutely was struck and we agreed. The way of Jesus here is to embrace grace. And I, I mentioned to you, look, guys, be prepared. I think this is going to ramp up during the week. Be prepared about how you get drawn into things because I feel like, well, I mean, it doesn't take a profit, did it? But I was right. I was right. The way of Jesus, and this is, I get this is challenging and I get that there may be all sorts of conversations you want to have about how we hear this, but I do want to bring us, it seems so fitting that we are in the shadow of the cross. This is the way of Jesus. 
What does that look like? Does that mean there aren't times when the justice is important? Remember what I said at the start? If it sounds like I'm saying justice is not important, you've misheard me. There is a place for justice. But the way of Jesus is to embrace a radical grace. Paul picks this up. It's because it's not natural. This is not natural. You're not going to be able to embrace this radical way, truly follow the way of the cross. You won't be able to do it in your natural self. What is natural is to look at the offence, look at the difference, look at the justice issue, look at the injustice and respect. That's natural. That's understandable. It's almost like this would be supernatural. It's almost like this would be of another spirit, that there's one spirit in which we can respond from, or there's another. And Paul in Galatians is so clear. If you can just give me two minutes more to finish this, because Paul, we shouldn't be surprised, with this beautiful redeemed mind, writes, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Looks how he, look at how he sets up a contest of spirits in our world. There's evil and there's good. And he, and he spells it out. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and here he really polarizes the two, the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, when I think of this verse, I tend to go to the juicy bits, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, drunkenness, wild parties. That's what I tend to, I don't know about you, I think this is, we tend to remember these are the, it's like this is the fruit of evil. Well, yeah, we see that. And with the, the personal morality stuff, we're good at that in the church. But have a look at what Paul wants us to also pay attention to. Equally, alongside, this is the fruit of a different spirit to the spirit of God. Hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Sitting right alongside those other ones. He said, this is what happens from this spirit. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is very confronting. If you are given over to this spirit, you know, I think that's what he says. If you are, if you don't recognize that there's a contest and a choice and an identification, then you are outside of the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't we just need a little bit more of that fruit? This is the way of grace. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's a different spirit. We need to recognize it and name it and choose. You know, as we finish, I'll get the, the guys to come up. There you go. Didn't want to um, there's so much I would want to talk about. There's so much that concerns me and grips my heart for the for where I see the fruit of that other kind of spirit that's not looking to put down offence but to and take up grace. There's so much I see that within the church that grieves me, that concerns me. There's so much I see within our our, our community within our world. But you know what? I, I, it's easy for me to do that. Sometimes I look at that stuff because it's a nice distraction for actually where I sit in my life. 
That's my starting point. Where is it? Where's the offence that I'm carrying with, with my brother or sister, with family, with friends? That's where we start. Hear me well, folks. Justice is important. There are, there are circumstances of, of serious abuse, of, of damage that's been done where justice is an important journey to go to. But, well not but, alongside of that, the way of Jesus will be to embrace a radical grace. This is good news because some of that small stuff, it means you don't necessarily need to go through the justice. and It means you can release things. You can embrace a radical grace that can release things so you can walk lighter. This is good news. This is good news. But it's a completely different way of living. It's not easy. It's supernatural. It needs a different spirit. It's almost like you need to kind of die to one way and kind of be born again and embrace a whole new way. I know, I know a guy who's led the way. I know, the, I know a guy who's made it through the other side. It's possible. Imagine a group of people who are just committed to embracing a radical grace that even moves past our right to be offended, even when it's true that we have been offended. Wow. Imagine what that group of people could do in the world. Well, in the first century, they completely changed the world. Completely changed the world. And from that, they formed a way of being, a way of being a civilization that were based on things like justice. They were based on compassion and mercy. He can do it again. It'll be through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm aware of all that hasn't been said this morning. And I'm just trusting by your spirit that uh, even now, all of the undone conversations, all of the things that, uh, mostly the application point, Lord God, I just believe, I know for me, even in preparing, there are you draw, have drawn my attention to places where I'm carrying a level of offense that I don't need to, where grace to actually sow forgiveness, release, to find a better way, a higher way that doesn't need to hold on to these things. Lord, I know you've, you've drawn my attention to that and I believe you're going to do that to people now. Where you, for those of us who want to take seriously the way of the cross, your example, Lord God, show us, lead us. I trust, I need to trust you're going to do that because there's, this is not an easy message, it's not a light message, but boy, is it a good one. Lord, I just proclaim the freedom, the life, the joy, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, the self-control, all of the fruit of that spirit. Lord, I just proclaim over these good people here, may we be a people who live out of that spirit for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are going to... Thanks for your patience, folks. It's been a big morning. Uh, please join us next door for some tea or coffee. We're going to pray for um, um, for these guys going to Cambodia up here in a moment. Um, if there's anything else we could get alongside you, pray. Um, if you want to come up here, our elders will be here. Some elders would love to get alongside you. Bless your heaps. Embrace a different way. Live free. Be blessed. Thanks. Make me your vessel.
This was produced by Cornerstone Christian Resources. It is deemed copyright and may be used for permission. For further information about Cornerstone Christian Resources, please visit the Cornerstone website at www.homecommunityworld.com.au. Cornerstone meets at 81 Meter Parade Alderney every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Please feel free to join us, and we hope you have been encouraged by this